Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours. Happy Thursday, November 3rd, the year 2022. Just make a free throw. Just get a hit. And the Tigers get a big win prior to what they hope will be their biggest win of the season. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome. We're here for the next two hours, all steered in the ship by my producer, James Mesh, who's in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041 FM. We're streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can pop on your television set because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines. Christian Javier threw six innings of hitless baseball, striking out nine and walking two. He handed the ball over in the seventh to Brian Abreu, who had a hitless one inning. He handed the ball off to Rafael Montero in the eighth, and he had a hitless one inning. Finally, Ryan Presley got the ball for the ninth inning, and he too pitched a hitless inning And one day after hitting five home runs, the Philadelphia Phillies couldn't scratch a hit, and the Houston Astros win game four, five to zip. What a performance. Christian Javier was throwing BBs, and all I can say is you need a clutch hit. In a big game, there's only one player to go to, and that's Alex Bregman. A two-run scoring double gave the Astros a three-zip lead, and they never looked back. Game five today, the last game in Philly. It will be Justin Verlander on the hill for the Astros going up against Noah Syndergaard of the Phillies. Yes, indeed. This could be Justin Verlander's final start with the Astros. What better way to potentially end his tenure than with his first World Series win. The last time Noah Syndergaard pitched in the World Series in 2015 with the Mets, he picked up the win. He won't likely pitch deep into Game 5, but he could certainly set the tone. And since the World Series shifted to Citizens Bank Park, we've seen a wild five-home run route by the Phils, and the Astros throw a shocking no-no. Game 5, well, you got your work cut out for you in this one. Astros favored by one and a half. The over-under, seven and a half. So uh, we shall see what happens on that one. But what a, what a performance it was by the Houston pitching staff. Just make one free throw. That's all you have to do. 
Pelicans looked like they were on vacation in Tinseltown in the first half as they fell way behind the Los Angeles Lakers. Insert some uh, some bench help, and they turn things around. They've got a three point lead with one point what six seconds left to go, and. Rookie Dyson Daniels, after rebounding a Lakers miss, he gets to the free throw line. All he's got to do is just make one. Just make one, and the game is yours. His first attempt, rattle around the rim, didn't fall. His second attempt was long. The Lakers rebounded, called timeout. Advance the ball up the court. Sideline out of bounds. You know they got to hit a three to send it into overtime. I don't know why you don't cover the three-point line and make them throw it over the top and force them to not be able to shoot a three. I don't understand how players of this magnitude that have played basketball for so long and a coaching staff can't figure it out. They just can't figure it out. So they set a back screen. Trey Murphy is supposed to switch. He hesitated, and Matt Ryan hit a falling out-of-bounds three-pointer from the right corner to send the game into overtime. So I don't know how you throw a ball all the way across the court over the outstretched hands of a 6'9 defender. That never should happen. You guard the three-point line. You make them step in front of it. That's all you do. It's not that difficult. Once it went into overtime, that was kind of all she wrote. Mistake after mistake after mistake, and the Pelicans lose 120 to 117. Man, 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 man. That's a heartbreaker. Um, Next up for the Pels, home game Friday night against the worrisome Golden State Warriors, who are three and four and trying to find themselves in this one. LSU football prepping for Alabama on Saturday. There's a buzz about this town, and it's building, and it's building, and already LSU won off the battlefield and in the recruiting world. They've got a commitment from four-star offensive interior lineman DJ Chester. I don't know how these kids get so big, but he's 6'5", 315, the nation's 11th best interior offensive lineman. He chose LSU over Auburn, Ole Miss, Michigan, Florida State, and others. He's commitment number 24 for the class of 2023. And that's a big-time get. You can't get enough of those types of players. You just can't. So LSU wins in the recruiting world. Now can they do it (laughs) in the real world, which is Saturday. Kim Mulkey, who has a exhibition game this evening, compared this game, LSU-Alabama, to a basketball game. Back in the day, she was the head coach at Baylor, and it was the 2004-2005 season. That year, Mulkey's Bears faced off with LSU, a program headlined with Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles in the Final Four. LSU was the heavy favorite 
much like Alabama is the heavy favorite Saturday. But Baylor upset the Tigers in Indianapolis that night, 68-57, to en route to beating Michigan State for the national championship two nights later, Mulkey's first title. So she said, with that being said, we all probably would agree that Alabama is supposed to win the game, right? So I'm going to compare and leave you with this thought. We all probably would agree that in 2005, LSU's women's basketball team was supposed to win the national championship and beat Baylor, right? That's why you play the games. Very well said. Our guest list today is long and illustrious. We take you uh, into the opponent's dressing room. Kevin Skarbinski from uh, the, the state of Alabama, a long, long, long time writer for AL.com, covering both Auburn and Alabama. He will join us. When you self-scout like teams do during the bye week, I wonder what he thinks Nick Saban found. So we'll discuss that. Uh, Jerry Miller will join us as the powerhouse known as Troy comes to Lafayette this Saturday. And this is a team that is uh, six and one in conference play. Um, they have beaten teams like, let's see, um, they lost to Ole Miss by 18. They lost to App State by four. Uh, but other than that, they, they beat Southern Miss by 17, had a close one against Texas State. Winning by three, they won on the road in a close defensive battle, beat South Alabama 10-6. to So Jerry Miller, the color analyst on the Troy Radio Broadcasting Network, will join us, and uh, we'll, we'll get the X's and O's for this 4 o'clock showdown at Cajun Field. That's just our number one. Al Salas will join us at our number two, the Saints versus the Baltimore Ravens. I just got a pair of tickets believe it or not. Um, so I'll be in the Dome Monday night as the Ravens come to town. And each and every Thursday, the Schwab joins us for his NFL picks for the weekend. All right. Well, with last night's no-hit win, the Astros look to take control of the series when they take on the Philadelphia Phillies in Game 5 tonight. You can listen to every pitch, clutch hit, thrilling moment of Game 5, Tonight on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Astro Launch begins at 630. First pick set for 703. And you can listen to it all live on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. He is winless in World Series appearances. Isn't it time? Justin Verlander got the formula last night. High heat, fastballs, fastballs. That's the ticket. Isn't he overdue? We shall see. All right, we'll come back. We'll take you behind enemy lines. First up, the Alabama Crimson Tide here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for those fighting Tigers, a sold-out Tiger Stadium for Saturday Night Live uh, here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Oh, it's uh, it's Alabama week, obviously, Saturday, six o'clock, a game of uh, of many uh, in this rivalry that have had uh, a lot on the line. No one more ingrained in the sports fabric of the state of Alabama than our next guest. He's the director of communications, the Coach Safely Foundation, which is really a fabulous idea. He's been a longtime writer, storyteller. And a good friend, uh, Kevin Skarbinski, kind enough to join us. Kevin, thank you for the time, man. How are you? I'm good, Jordy. Always good to catch up with you. Uh, thank you for the time. I really do appreciate it. Before we get to Alabama, heck, Auburn's got a new president. They've got a new athletic director. They're looking for a new football coach. Is it really Lane Kiffin? Is that who they really want? There is a very, very strong feel uh, among the decision makers there that Lane is on a very short list of guys who could bring that program back to where they expect to be and do it fairly quickly. Uh, you know, he, pun- he he checks a lot of boxes, you know, his offensive acumen, his ability to recruit, particularly through the transfer portal. Right. And if Auburn needs anything, it's a quick upgrade in the talent department. They, they had been slipping in that regard under Smiles. And Brian Harson did nothing to improve that situation. In fact, it got worse in terms of recruiting under Harson. So they've got some work to do to rebuild that roster. And, and someone like Lane Kiffin, who knows the territory, knows the conference, uh, he's got a lot of support there. He's not the only one, but he, he appears to be the favorite among Auburn folks that I talk to. They got a lot of, pe- a lot of money they're paying uh, for coaches not to coach. It would take, you know, he's what, what's Kiffin making? Seven million a year in Oxford? Man, what's Auburn willing to yeah. pay? Well, that's just it. They, you know, and one one of the drawbacks that not just Ole Miss, but Mississippi State and all the schools there face is that that state limits you to four year contracts. You you can't go any longer than that, uh, and then certainly that is not a restriction in the state of Alabama. So it would probably take uh, Kirby Smart-type money, Nick Saban-type money, Brian Kelly-type money to get Lane Kiffin to leave Oxford where he's got a very good situation. And he's got a team, by the way, that we're overlooking. He's just sitting there. He's sitting there like a spider just waiting for Nick Saban in Alabama to come out of this war in Baton Rouge. Uh, They've got to travel to do Ole Miss next week, and Ole Miss sitting there with just one loss. So I think it would take a lot to get Lane out of there, but I don't think it's out of the question. All right, Kevin Skarbinski, we move on to LSU-Alabama. Chance for Alabama. Anytime there's a bye week, you always do a little self-scouting. You've seen some great Alabama teams under Nick Saban. Tell me about this particular team and what makes it different from maybe some of the things we've seen in the past. Well, they they don't really have uh, the superstar wide receiver, for one thing. That's one area. You know, we've we've become used to a succession – of big-time receivers, going back to Julio Jones and Amari Cooper with Lane Kiffin as offensive coordinator, redefined the position, uh, became a Heisman finalist. And you can go on and on uh, through Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith winning the Heisman. They don't, they don't have a guy of that caliber. They don't have a game-breaker on the outside. They've got some talent, uh, young talent and experienced talent, but they don't have the consistent game-breaker at wide receiver, and I think that hurts them. Uh, they have a fantastic running back. Jameer Gibbs is, has really? been everything that they thought he would be, and then some, the transfer from Georgia Tech. Yeah. But they just they don't have 
the you know again the elite playmakers and as many of them as they're used to having, and that's put more pressure on Bryce Young. And of course, mm-hmm. he's still coming back. I, I don't think we can discount the fact, Jordy, that I don't know that he's still a hundred percent after that Maybe injury to his throwing shoulder at Arkansas. Of course, he missed a game against A and M. He came back against Tennessee. Uh, took a lot of hits. I think the week off has probably been good for him. Uh, to try to heal up even more, but but part of the thing it, when you miss time in practice time, and he has not practiced full speed. I don't even know if he's practiced full speed this week. You know, you miss that timing element with your receivers and continuing to build that. So Bryce Young is he is one of the best players in the country again this year. It's just unfortunate that he's had to come back from that injury. So this Alabama team, while it has shown in moments that it is a, certainly a championship contender. It just hasn't been that on a consistent basis. Um, Game-turning penalties and too many penalties in general. Um, They're missing tackles that normally Alabama players don't miss. They're they're taking some bad angles every now and then. They're actually dropping passes, and the offensive line isn't that dominating, road-grinding. They've missed some blocks. It's just it's a little different, and it's just shocking to me, but yet, they took Tennessee, the supposed to juggernaut. They should have won the game, man. They should have won the game. Um, and they still scored 49. They just gave up 52. So it's not like Alabama's <laughs> fallen off the face of the earth, but nobody's talking about them anymore. No, you know, they've created such an impossibly high standard, Jordy, yeah. that, that when they don't look like uh, a team that could knock off some NFL teams, people tend to, you know, really discount them. But they are still capable on any given Saturday of beating anyone else in the country. As you mentioned, they, they, it, the Tennessee game was a coulda, woulda, shoulda game. Any other, just about any other program in America falls down 21 to nothing to that Tennessee team. Yeah. They do not come back to right. where they have a chance to kick a winning field goal in the final minute. And of course, the, it, that was a one play game. Alabama missed its field goal and Tennessee went down and kicked and made it. So that was the difference there. But, but Alabama's had, obviously, other close calls, you know, at Texas, against Texas A&M. They, they let Arkansas uh, come back on them and, and give them a scare for a little bit in the late third quarter in Fayetteville. So they just haven't been consistently dominant. Again, they're good enough to beat anyone else uh, on any Saturday. They're just going to have flaws and make mistakes that you're not used to seeing Nick Saban teams make. And that's part of their mystique, right? People think they're invincible, but now there's been a little chink in the armor here and there. They're still a really, really, really good team, but they don't look invincible. Um, the job Brian Kelly's done at LSU is kind of amazing, I think. Don't you? Oh, and just you know, watching from afar, I've been so impressed at the way that that team has grown and matured, and particularly Jaden Daniels, the way yeah. he has developed this year. You know, I talked to Bill Clark, the former UAB coach, who's rehabbing from spinal fusion surgery, which is why he's not on the sideline any longer. And and we talk about the the previous weekend's games, usually on Mondays and Tuesdays. And he's been so impressed with Jaden Daniels and his development, and he attributes that to to Brian Kelly and his staff, and just you know, understanding what it means to develop uh, a young man into a true quarterback. He's got wonderful skills, but he was more of a uh, a running back playing quarterback, at least in Bill Clark's eyes when the season started. 
But he has come light years in his development as a thrower and a runner and a decision-maker. Uh, you know, some of us remember the Auburn game. It, it certainly didn't look pretty on that evening in Jordan-Hare, uh, but they but LSU was tough enough to come back and get that win. Uh, they are a much better team today than they were then, and I, I think I think Alabama better bring its A game on Saturday night. You don't Alabama doesn't lose very often. You've seen when they have, and it seems like it's always a quarterback that really just plays a great game. That's what it takes to beat Bama, right? Yes, and usually Jordy, it's a quarterback who can move. Uh-huh. It's a quarterback who can create plays. Uh, when the play breaks down, a quarterback who can escape pressure and either extend the play to to let his receivers come open, or can just pull it and and take it down the field for a significant amount of yardage, and certainly Jaden Daniels is capable of all of the above, and that's that's the danger for Alabama. You know they have two of the best pass rushers in America, yeah. in Will Anderson and Dallas Turner on the outside, but they got virtually no pressure on Tennessee. And part of that, part of the reason was Hendon Hooker, again, very experienced, uh, very mobile. Uh, not mobile necessarily to run, but mobile to move around the pocket. Again, give his receivers time to break open. And, and I see a lot of that in Jaden Daniels as well. Kevin Skarbinski with us. Uh, Saban's been there 16 years. He's got six national titles. He's 71 years old. I think his contract takes him to up to, what, when he's 80? Is that right? Yeah, it's at the end. Of, it's the end of the uh, of this decade. I don't remember the exact number they extended him. Uh, I, you know, not that long ago. And, and look, we, we know Jordy. He will coach as long as he wants to coach. Right. Uh, the contract is the contract may be more for recruiting purposes. You know, obviously, other schools are starting, have started, have been using that against Alabama or tried to. It hasn't been very uh-huh. successful because they're yeah. still recruiting at an elite level. But obviously, at some point, you know, Nick can't coach forever. We don't think, uh, and so you know, he 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 will though coach until he feels like, and he says this repeatedly, right. until he feels like he is not getting the job done at the level he expects to. He will be on the sideline in Alabama. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to come, you know, in the next two or three years, or if it's a four to five year window. I really think now at this at this stage of his life, as well as his career. It's it's a year-by-year deal in terms of his health. How does he feel when the season's over? Is he still will, still willing to grind the way that really only he can? He's in an elite he's in an elite class of coaches, uh, not only who know what they're doing, but is willing to put in the work day in and day out and hold everyone in the organization to a standard. Uh, when he no longer feels like he can do that, then I think you'll see him walk off into the sunset. I really thought with all the changes with this NIL stuff and the transfer portal, he's so old schoolish. Like um, I-, I thought maybe that would drive him out, but like, like a chameleon, he adapts and adjusts and he takes advantage of it. It's amazing. I always ask this question. I'm going to ask it to you. If Nick Saban had never left LSU and stayed there, the way he recruits and with the talent in that, how many national championships do you think he would have won at LSU? Oh, he he would have done, I have no doubt, Jordy, that he would have done at LSU what he has done at Alabama. He he would have he would have surpassed Bear Bryant. Uh you know, he would have he would have raised the bar so high that a single loss would seem like Armageddon. (laughs) 
on the rare occasions when it happened. I, I think they they obviously when when you look at what they've accomplished under di- you know three you know three national championships wow. under different yep. coaches, yep. you know th- that that place is built for success. It took Nick Saban to unlock it, mm-hmm. and and others kind of rode on his coattails a bit. But he set the standard. He set laid the foundation. And if he had stayed, yeah, I think I think those roles would be reversed. I think LSU would be what Alabama has been, and that's the yeah. and that's the the standard, the standard. of college football. Yeah, that's right. Um, for the first time in many years, Kevin, you know, I, I always looked at LSU's sideline when he was coaching, and I looked across the way and I said, "Okay, we're in good shape. Spurrier's pretty good, but I, I like our guy." Um, the past few regimes, I've always looked, oh, their yeah. guy's a lot better than our guy. I think we've narrowed that gap. I think Brian Kelly's a hell of a coach. I really do. You know, you you could see it. The first time I was around him, Jordy, was at SEC Media Days in Atlanta uh-huh. back in July. And and he just – and at that point, too, I, I know there were some, you know, there were some comical moments uh, right. as he was trying to adapt and, and maybe fit in. But clearly, by the time – he got to media days. He 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 was who he is, and and that's one of the things that separates uh, the 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 outstanding coaches from just the very good ones. And he's in that elite level. Is that he knows who he is, and he 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 plays to that. He coaches to that, and he recruits to that. And and he's a professional. He is a. Mm-hmm. a, a I mean, he, and that sounds funny because they're all professionals. They're all getting paid, right? But there right. to me, there's a level. He is a pro coach. Yes. And and what I mean by that is he knows how to adapt, he knows how to he knows how to motivate, he knows how to X and O, he knows how to recruit. He he is the whole package and and he is not going to panic. And again, that's been a key to this season. You know, uh, so I think some fans yeah. may have been on the edge of the um, yeah. they may have been yeah. starting to climb out on the windowsills yeah. in Baton Rouge and across the state, but but Brian Kelly didn't, and because again, he's a pro. He and look, I mean, people are real. He, he's getting close to three hundred wins in his career. I, I mean, this guy knows what he's he's done yeah. it long enough at, a, at a, enough different places to know that he is he's the common denominator. Now that those schools that he's at are winning primarily because of him, and and LSU again has all the ingredients to be an elite program, and I think they got the guy to unlock that again. Kevin Scarbinski will close with your thoughts. On, it's always been a line of scrimmage game between these. It's a very physical game. It, it's a it's a tight to the vest kind of game. Bama, it, it, it's like Kentucky basketball. Wherever they go, it's the biggest game of the year. It's a packed house, so they're used to it. LSU's got a good quarterback. They got a good coach. They're on an uptick. This game is significant. How do you think the outcome turns out? Yeah, I still, I guess I'm conditioned over the last decade and a half that it's hard for me to ever pick against Alabama going into a game, even if conditions may favor uh, the other team getting it done, uh, like they did certainly in Knoxville. But even on that occasion, as we said earlier, Alabama had every opportunity to win that game in the final minutes. And I I think that's what we'll see again. I think Bryce Young being, uh, you know, a couple of weeks healthier makes a difference. He is just. He's just fabulous to watch. He just extends plays. He's got him. such a such a great such great vision. He makes the right decisions far more often than not. And I think somehow, some way, and it may be it may be like the uh, not to bring up bad memories for LSU fans, like the, you know the TJ Yeldon game or the, the Blake yep. Sims game. <laughs> yeah, games that come down to the last drive, maybe even into overtime. I yeah. think it could be that kind of thriller. 
But in that, but in any close game, I, I like Bryce Young's ability to make the right decision and make the right play when it matters most. More than fair, more than honest. Uh, Kevin Skarbinski, another showdown. Here we go. Thank you. It's always great talking with you, my friend. Continued good health and continued uh, success in your endeavors. Thank you so much, Jordy. You take care of yourself. All right, Kevin Skarbinski with the latest on the tide. If you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, text Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November 10th. Once again, text Panther to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda forever brought to you by the game Celebrity Theaters and Sherman Insurance. They're the best in the division of the Sun Belt, and their next approach heads to Lafayette. We'll talk about the Troy Trojans as we continue here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 38 minutes after the hour. We continue our Thursday tradition during the college football season. We take you behind enemy lines. We went and got the latest on Alabama as they come to LSU. Um, A little further west, the Troy Trojans come to Cajun Field for a 4 o'clock kickoff Saturday against the uh, University of Louisiana at Lafayette. And joining us now is the color analyst on the Troy Sports Radio Network, He's been kind enough to join us in the past. He joins us again today, Jerry Miller. Jerry, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Great, Jordy. How are you, man? Looking forward to coming down your way tomorrow. Absolutely. I'm doing terrific. Six and two overall, four and one in the Sun Belt. That one loss was at App State by four. Nothing to to be ashamed about. You've played some close games, but you've won them. How good is this Troy team in your mind? Well, they they are much improved, obviously, over last year. Um, you know, I don't think that we played our best game. I don't think we're the most talented team in the league if you just break it down by position. Uh-huh. But what this team will do is they will scrap, they will fight, they will battle you for 60 minutes. And I think that's a reflection of the, the new head coach, John Sumrall, and the kind of culture that he has uh, built uh, already with this program and what he's trying to do. Now, we've got some talent, we've got some explosive players, and we've got some guys that can make plays. But if you look at it up and down, I don't think it's the talent that has provided the wins as much as it has been the way this team has come together and the way they will get after you for 60 minutes. Amazing. Um, Look, what they do is they don't let you run the football very much. After that opening season loss to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is one of the best rushing teams in the country, Troy's held the last five opponents to 77 yards per game on the ground, 2.46 yards per carry. That ranks third and second nationally, respectively. So John Somerall has his team playing some defense against the run in particular. 
Yeah, and we knew coming in that the defensive side of the football would be where our, our strength is, and that has proven to be true. They, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, and, of course, you're, you look at the competition. You, you've got uh, Ole Miss, as you mentioned, and App State in that group, two teams that can really run it well. But yeah. they have been extremely good, and that was really key in a close game two weeks ago down in Mobile against South Alabama where they held the Jags to only 31 yards rushing. And that was key. You know, when you, you win a game 10-6, to 6, uh, that's very much a difference in the game. Uh, Troy just never let South Alabama get the run game going at all. And that's key for us. If we can, uh, on defense, do well against run, particularly on first and second down, where we get you in some more predictable situations, force a quarterback to have to convert a third and six, third and seven, then Troy's defense becomes very, very good. Uh, they've done a good job taking the ball away. They've been pretty good on third down. Uh, and they've been really good in the red zone. Uh, Troy's four and one in the Sun Belt West. Uh, Southern Miss is three and one. South Alabama's three and one. You've beaten both of those teams, so you've got the tiebreaker. Just, I mean, I didn't see any of the game or anything that. I'm just looking at the scores. I've got to believe the win over Southern Miss, twenty-seven ten. Was that the most? Um, was that the best win of the year? That may have been uh, the way Southern Miss has played of late. Yes, I would say that that uh, is certainly a key. I think the the pivotal game for Troy, though, Jordy, was after that just tremendously heartbreaking loss in Boone uh, and the way that game ended, uh, a game that, you know, looking back four or five different ways, we should have won that ball game. Uh, But we lose it on the Hail Mary. But just the yeah. disappointment mm. of that, and then coming back against we, – we faced a Marshall team that had just beaten Notre Dame. Yeah, and and that's three, right. we came out, and the way they reacted after that disappointing loss and played a very physical, tight ball game against a good Marshall club, to me that, that kind of set um, a spirit of belief among this club. And then they followed that up with that, uh, as you said, probably the best win looking uh, at it overall that we've had certainly in conference – was that went over Southern Miss, and and they've just built on that. They've they've used that momentum, and they've they've gotten better uh, every week. And then to go on the road and, and beat South Alabama down there with a you know a sellout crowd, the first one they've had in that new stadium, uh, to be able to win a close game like that. Uh, this is a team that certainly believes they can win, but they also understand that they've got. To, to play well every game. They understand mm-hmm. the challenge that is before them on Saturday afternoon uh, in Lafayette. We, we know what a battle that's going to be. And if, and if Troy doesn't come out and play, uh, probably play their best game of the year, that's going to be a hard game to win. Troy's won five in a row. We're talking with Jerry Miller, the color analyst on the Troy Radio Network. He talked about some some good skill position people, I guess, you know, we always want to talk about the quarterback, but I want to talk about Tez Johnson, the wide receiver. I, I, apparently, Pro Football Focus thinks he's one of the best in the country. Well, he's—I would definitely say he is our most explosive player in a in a position group that uh, we are thin at. Uh, we have, uh, you know, lost some uh, players there and uh, back and forth with some injuries. Still not at a hundred percent in that uh, position group at wide receiver. But Tez is an explosive player. He's the kind of guy. That, uh, that you talk about the quarterback, uh, our quarterback's one of his main responsibilities is to get the ball in the hands of Tez Johnson. And if you can give him uh, the ball with just a little bit of space, he is very dynamic. He can turn what looks like just a short gain into a big play. And uh, and he's sure-handed. He runs good routes. He's very tough. He, he's not a big kid, but he is 
He is a kid that can go up and get a football if it's in the air and certainly give him some space. He's fun to watch, and uh, he will definitely uh, – he creates matchup problems for everybody that we play. According to your depth chart, they, they list him at 5'10", fifty. Holy yeah, we cow. Probably, uh, probably had one eye closed when they wrote those down. He, he, <laughs> yeah. He's barely that. Wow, we sakes alive. All right. Um, you play two quarterbacks? What's going on at that position? Well, it's just how it's kind of developed. Uh, Gunnar Watson uh, won the position in camp. Uh, we've been a little unsettled at the quarterback position for the last couple of years. Gunnar Watson's a guy, though, that has stayed. Uh, he's made probably one of the one of the players on the team that has made the most improvement uh, from last year to this year. Uh, we bring Jared Dagey in late in the game, a guy who, if you look at his numbers, uh, Jordy, you know, this kid that came in, he had passed for over 10,000 yards, had thrown for 80 touchdowns. This is a guy that had some experience, but he comes in very new to our system and, and you know, kind of behind the, the eight ball a little bit there as far as the learning curve. But mm-hmm. uh, Dagey's a guy that's come in, and he, he went to work. He, he started studying film. He started studying the playbook. He's worked his tail off and uh, has done everything the right way. And then when his number was called in Western Kentucky, actually the, the school that he transferred to us from, he gets a chance late in that game in a close ball game, throws a couple of touchdown passes, and, you know, sent a message to the coaches and everybody that uh, he's a guy that we can win with. Now, uh, he came in because Gunner was dinged up a little bit. Gunner missed the next game. Daigie started it. But as soon as Gunner's back, he was put back in. And they both have come off the bench at one time or another and helped this Troy team win a game. Mm-hmm. But there hasn't been any kind of controversy. I get that all the time. You know, after the South Alabama game, Jarrett Daigie gets in the pickup truck where Gunner Watson goes and spends the weekend with his parents. So there hasn't <laughs> been any controversy. Those guys have worked it great. Uh, so it's not something by design. They're very similar in what they do. And the coaches have just kind of went with the guy that's had the hot hand. And uh, so far it's worked. Our defense has uh, given us a chance to win close ball games, and those guys haven't done anything to keep us from winning those games. Jerry, John uh, Sumrall, your head coach in his first season, 6-2. and two. He's no stranger. He was uh, um, uh, he spent three seasons as the assistant to the head coach on Neil Brown's staff. Then he goes to Kentucky. He's like co-defensive coordinator for Mark Stoop's staff and the great success they've had. How easy was it uh, of a hire to get him to come back to Troy? I think it was a very easy hire. I think he was head and shoulders above anybody else we were looking at, particularly because of the fit. And you've mentioned some mm-hmm. of the reasons why. He was here before. He was here through some of our best years with Neil Brown at the head when we won. You know, had three con- straight seasons of 10 wins, one with 11. We win three bowl games during that stretch. So he's very familiar with the school, the culture, what Troy football is all about. And uh, he was a candidate uh, before uh, when uh, when we made the previous hire. Uh, but he will tell you, he's told me this, uh, you know, he left us, went to Ole Miss, spent a year there, and then got back to his alma mater in Kentucky and spent those two years with uh, with Coach Stoops. And and he will tell you that's the best thing that happened for him. He he tells me, hey, I'm much more. Re- I was much more ready to be a head coach when Troy hired me as the head coach than I would yeah. have been three years prior. So I do think that uh, that that has served him well his time in the SEC. Uh, but you know how it is. Try- there, there's a lot of difference than being a coordinator and being a head coach because of all the responsibility. Yeah, Not everybody can do it. But That's John right. has uh, has shown that he can do it. He made some tremendous hires on his staff. 
and uh, they've really come together. The chemistry on the staff has been really good, and, and everybody's responded to that to this point. Now, still he a lot of work a, uh, to do, but already bowl eligible after uh, you know awesome. not getting more than five wins the previous three years. Uh, I tell you, the Trojan Nation is very happy with what we've seen so far. I can see why they're so good against the run and hot defensively. I mean, he was a three-year letter winner at middle linebacker at Kentucky, uh, and he's paid his dues. He was a grad assistant at Kentucky. He went to San Diego for, for golly, four or five years, and he was at Tulane for three years. He goes to Troy. Then he goes to Ole Miss. Then he spends three years at Kentucky, and now he's getting his shot as a head coach. That's all. How, how different – is this team this year as compared to last year? What's the biggest difference you see? Is it is it the attitude and the buy-in? Oh, there's no question that's what it is because essentially when you look up and down with the COVID uh, situation, you know, the, the uh, player personnel hasn't changed an awful lot. We've got a lot of the same players that we had uh, through those previous three years. Uh, so to me, the big difference is just the belief, uh, the attitude, the way that they've come together. And I, and I think that's strictly a reflection of John Sumrall and the attitude that he has brought in. He's been very honest with these kids. Uh, he's challenged them to, uh, you know, to play the game the way that he feels like it needs to be played at the level it needs to be played at. And everybody uh, so far has bought into that. You talk to these players, and, and there's a difference now. Uh, and, and I'll just look back to last week in that close mm-hmm. game. We had every, uh, two weeks ago against South Alabama. We had every opportunity to, to lose that game, but the, but there was a belief there that they would find a way to win. And in years past, I don't know that we could have mustered that kind of belief. Uh, that's just what I've seen uh, on mm-hmm. the outside looking in. Uh, but uh, th- there is that uh, really – strong belief uh, every time we go out there that if we do things the way the coaches have prepared them to do and they execute it, that they'll have a chance to win the ball game. And, of course, nothing breeds that like winning a few games, and that's what's happened to this Troy team. In the games that you lost, and we'll close on this one, what did the other team do effectively to limit Troy? Well, I think uh, the thing that uh, that has uh, hurt us a little bit at, at times uh, has been uh, we haven't protected the quarterback uh, as good as we can. We've gotten a little better at that as the season has gone on. Uh, but Ole Miss was able to get pressure on us. App State was able to get uh, pressure on us as well, and that was a factor. And then the other thing that I think this offense has to improve upon, and they're going to have to be better uh, come for, uh, Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, is that is in third downs. We have not done a good job in converting third-down situations. And part of that is we didn't run the ball well at the first of the year. Now, with D.K. Billingsley and Kamani Vidal of late, Troy has run the ball much better. And not just not putting up big yards, Jody. You know, we're not running for 250 yards a game. But right. we're doing much better on the yards per carry, uh, on first-down rushes where we get ourselves into better position on second and third down. Uh, that's been the difference. But – you know, if you if you make Troy one-dimensional, Troy's got to be able to run the ball, I think, to be effective. Uh, because if not, then you really attack us where we've uh, struggled a bit, and that's protecting the quarterback. Troy opened up a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. It's gone up now to five-and-a-half. They've got the control of the Sun Belt West, and we'll see what happens. Boy, thank you so much. What a tremendous job you did for us. Jerry Miller, we can't thank you enough, buddy. Safe travels. Eat some good food. And enjoy your stay in uh, South Louisiana. 
you can bet we will. Always one of my favorite trips. Love the food down there. Love the culture. Love the atmosphere. And always a pleasure joining you on your show. You're the best, buddy. Thank you so much. That is Jerry Miller, the color analyst, as we take you behind enemy lines um, with the Troy Trojans. Um, there's no bigger, more animated Houston Astros fan than our guy Kevin Foote. You can watch him. Watch Game 5 of the World Series tonight by tuning into the game's Facebook and Twitch accounts. Foot will be cheering on his Astros to a victory. He'll be joined by some special guests such as Blaine Viator and James Mesh. So tune into the game's Facebook and Twitch accounts tonight starting at 7 to watch Foot go crazy when Verlander gives up a home run. I'm just kidding. And as you watch the Astros in the World Series. We're back to wrap up our number one next. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Maxwell Football Club today announced that uh, LSU offensive tackle Will Campbell and linebacker Harold Perkins are among a group of 14 players who've been selected as semifinalists for the Sean Alexander Freshman of the Year Award. Two really good pickups, both in the starting lineup. Campbell's been there forever. They finally figured out a way to keep Perkins on the field, and he needs to be on the field Saturday against the Alabama Crimson Tide. So a lot of college football in hour number one. Hour number two, we'll switch to the uh, the guys that get paid. Well, they all get paid now, but um, the NFL scene, as we'll talk about the Saints versus the Ravens, and Frank Schwab will join us as well um, to talk about his picks for this week in the NFL. Speaking of which, you know the Saints will be taking on the Ravens Monday night. The game will get you ready for the primetime matchup. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh. We'll be broadcasting live from Twin Peaks on Johnson Street from 4 to 6. So come hang out with the guys. Enjoy some ice-cold beverages, some burgers, whatever you like this Monday night. Saints take on the Ravens at Twin Peaks where it eats, there are drinks, and there are scenic views. Our number one's in the books. Our number two straight ahead. The Jordy Helpert Show in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home. For the Astros, who try to take a three games to two lead in the best of seven series tonight. And the Tigers trying to beat the Tide Saturday. We'll be back. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go. We spent our number one all about college football. We got the latest on Alabama with their uh, upcoming battle against LSU and Tiger State, and we got the latest on the Troy Trojans as they head to Lafayette and take on the Cajuns at 4 o'clock on Saturday. We got to wait till Monday for our, hopefully they have turned the corner New Orleans Saints to get back in the swing of things as the Baltimore Ravens come back to town for a um, for a great opportunity um, on Monday night to stay in the race for the NFC South. Um, we're joined by 
our expert analyst of the New Orleans Saints, Al Salas. He joins us yet again. It's been too long since we've had him on. That's my that's my fault. But Al, welcome aboard, buddy. How you doing? <laughs> doing good, Jordy. Man, appreciate being on with you guys today. Have the Saints turned the corner, or is, was that uh, just an anomaly there against what they did against Vegas? I, I think you saw a team that you know is starting to turn the corner, and uh, more importantly, get healthy. However, the big news today that just dropped literally yep. ten minutes ago with Michael Thomas is certainly kind of he's out for the rest of the year in all likelihood. Um, one more time, Jordy. Is he out for the year uh, in uh, in all yes. likelihood? Yes, Dennis Allen is enough. Um, the team is they're moving him to the reserve. He's likely out for the season. They have a yeah. uh, a second undisclosed toe injury, which I don't know how <laughs> medical staff can miss that, but that is what they're saying uh, has happened with Michael Thomas. He is now likely out for the season. The best ability is availability, and he's never available. My goodness gracious sakes alive. Oh, well. They've played and won without them. They'll have to continue to play and try to win without them as they move on, which means can we just get a Jarvis Landry back? Can we ah, – maybe there's that there's that guy out there that's still hurt, but uh, Odell Beckham Jr., I don't know. I don't know. Um, what I you, you tell me your thoughts. Yeah, certainly I think now uh, a need for wide receiver could be uh, put on the table for this team going forward. You know, Andy Dalton has played well with – uh, Chris Olave with Callaway, Traquan, Rashid Shahid has stepped up. You know, you're hoping to get Landry back at some point. And, you know, maybe now you do have a need to bring in a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., who still has that quick first step, can line up on the slot and be lethal. Um, it's just a question of, you know, when Odell is ready to go, how competitive is the Saints team going to be, uh, you know, in a relatively weak NFC now, which I consider wide open personally. So, it's good. Now that, that topic is relevant <laughs> in all seriousness, <laughs> it is a possibility. Yeah. Um, we finally saw what we all believe was going to be the strength of this team against Vegas, and that was their defense. Uh, they got great pressure on the quarterback, which made life, t- life in the secondary a lot better. Um, man, that, that's what this team needs. But you're, you're playing against a team in Baltimore with that with a guy that doesn't stand in the pocket like a Derek Carr does, you you know you got Lamar Jackson out there who's who's slippery and tricky, and he's going to run. So presents a whole different problem, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly, Jordy. I think you look at this Ravens team compared to the Raiders, uh, two totally different teams, two different ways. Uh, McDaniel's and Harbaugh like to use their quarterbacks, and with Lamar in particular. He just does so many things well, man. I mean, people want to sit here and question oh, his ability to throw the ball, and at the end of the day, he's an offensive weapon, and he can just get he can do anything uh, with his legs, with his arm, and you know, it's gonna take a lot. It's gonna take a lot, and you're asking a lot of these linebackers, Demar and Pete Warner, are gonna have to step up and, and play a lot of coverage uh, and, and spy on Lamar. So this defense could be up to the task, but I mean, Lamar is just so electric this year, man. Uh, it's pretty good. And um, so Saints defense are going to have to do their thing. How much was the addition of Roquan Smith? How much does that better the Baltimore rate? You don't make trades like that unless you feel like you're a team that can contend and run to have a deep run in the playoffs. Right. I think, you know, if you're Baltimore and you get Roquan Smith, what you're getting to be the natural leader, a guy who 
you know, once he learns the system, he'll have it down to a T. That's a guy who, who commands, you know, respect. And guys listen to a guy like Roquan Smith uh, on the field in the locker room. Um, and, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how much he plays Monday night. I know he was just brought in. We'll see, you know, if it's a limited camp base or if they let him go full throttle and just kind of, you know, get a feel for the game. Um, but certainly Roquan, you know, a player of that caliber makes your team a lot better. And, you know, if you're Baltimore, you're trying to fight for it and think of it in the AFC North race with Cleveland, who, you know, beat Cincinnati on Monday night. They're kind of back into it. Uh, the Bengals now without Jamar Chase, you know, that they look like a different team on Monday night, and that line is still a problem. So uh, if you're Baltimore, this is the opportunity to try and, and uh, build some games in between you and everyone else in that division. So much depends on the injury front, how many Saints players get back. And for the Ravens, Andrews is their leading receiver at tight end. Um, and, and, you know, he's had some shoulder issues. I don't know what his status is, but the one thing for sure, Lamar Jackson throws it, and he's the best runner on this team. So how do you defend? What what does Devis Allen and his staff come up with, you think, as the game plan defensively against this quarterback? Well, that's a great question. And one game I look back to in the Ravens this past year, Ravens Bengals on Center Night Football a few weeks ago. Uh, right. The Bengals had a very, I thought, interesting approach. Um, you know, considering in that game, the the uh, you never want to like blitz and put pressure on Lamar Jackson and leave the open and leave the field open for him to escape and, and move around. But that's exactly what the Bengals did on Monday or on Sunday night was they blitz, they put extra men in the box, you pressure Lamar. Uh, and kind of bank on your corners and linebackers to lock up the receivers and tight ends. And this is a game where uh, Andrews could be banged up. The Ravens will not have Rashard Bateman. He just got put on injury reserve as well. He's done for the year. So okay. I think if he can bring more down in the box uh, and put the pressure on Lamar to try and make a throw with these receivers, which uh, it's not the best group, uh, I like that for the Saints. He's a 63% uh, completion percentage at quarterback. A lot of people talk about they play Baltimore man, which means you're you're not looking back at the quarterback. You're looking at wide receivers, and that's when Lamar can take off. Do you think the Saints play more of a zone concept and make him be more precise in throwing the football? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the, the X factor for this team is going to be the linebackers, you know, with uh, Demario Davis, Pete Warner, both are off to excellent starts this year. Both are extremely athletic. Uh, they can cover a lot of ground with their feet. And, uh, you know, you have them sit in the middle. I think, you know, maybe potentially spy a guy like Lamar. I think uh, I like that matchup. Either linebacker, uh, you know, playing some soft zone coverage to, uh, you know, make Lamar try to make a move with his feet and they can close it on him pretty quickly. Uh does Andy Dalton make this offense run better than Jameis Winston? She's <laughs> uh, uh, a great question. I think Andy Dalton makes it a much more efficient offense. And, you know, when I say efficient, I mean he gets Alvin Kamara involved uh, in the offense to where uh, with Jameis you just did not see that a whole lot. I think that's been your biggest, you know, it's been the biggest switch around has been uh, you know, getting Kamara involved, running the ball a lot more, giving those, giving him those check down and swing passes that opens it up. Uh, you know, for Kamara as well as other guys, you know, Alave, Juwan Johnson. Uh, so it all makes the machine run better. Um, 
but make no mistake, the future quarterback is not on this roster right now. But uh, for the sake of this season, Dalton, I think right now yeah. gives you the best chance going forward to maybe uh, make a move in the NFC South as, as weak as it is right now. When I think of Baltimore, I always think defense. I know Ray Lewis is not there anymore, but his spirit's kind of there. And the way they play um, and, and the way they pressure the quarterback, Patrick Queen, the former LSU Tigers, turned out to a star. They've got Marcus Williams, the ex-Saint, back there at the safety mm-hmm. position. Can the Saints' offensive line give Dalton enough time? Can they protect him? Because against the Raiders, Dalton wasn't even touched. Yeah, I think this offensive line deserves a lot of credit uh, for the turnaround. I think they're a lot more physical. Uh, Ryan Ranchek shut down Max Crosby last week, which up to that point, nobody had done the entire season. Uh, Cesar Ruiz has, by golly, he's developed into quite, quite the quite the starter for the Saints at right guard. Credit to Doug Marone, Zach Streve, Jari Evans for you know developing Ruiz, and he's. He's become a, a, a mainstay right guard. Um, you know, Andrews T has played very well at guard, too. Now he's back in the lineup. So uh, I think this line can uh, keep Dalton up and get the running game going. Uh, yeah. Just depends. We'll see how the Ravens play them, knowing how kind of banged up they are at uh, receiver. Yeah, Kamara, 4.3 yards per carry. Taysom Hill, 8.6 yards on his 39 carries with five touchdowns. I love getting those two guys involved. I think that makes life easier for Andy Dalton. Uh, but somebody, like you said, somebody besides Chris Olave is going to have to step up and be a wide receiver on this team uh, because teams are going to start trying to take Olave away. Uh, so, I mean, get Kamara involved in that thing like that. Um I don't know. what do you, who Who's the next guy to step up? Who do you have the most faith in? Uh, I don't know. Chris Olave has been off to a tremendous start this year. Uh, Alvin Kamara will probably be the next guy. Uh, I could sit here and tell you, you know, we all know what Alvin Kamara is coming out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, Another guy I'll mention, Jawan Johnson. I think when his number has been called this year, he's come through. Um, Yeah, I think that's the guy. If you give him more snaps, especially with Adam Trotman being out the last couple weeks, you know, he's a – Safety blanket, he could be a mismatch with his size and kind of his history at the receiver position compared to, you know, your typical tight end. So, you know, Joe Johnson maybe giving more snaps. That could be something I could look forward to. Um, but now with Thomas, I don't think the attention has to go to Jarvis Landry. When he does come back healthy, I think Landry will have a much bigger role uh, than I think we all obviously expected. I'm with you. All right, when push comes to shove, look, it's going to be Monday night. The, the Superdome is going to be electric like it always is on 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 a monday night uh it just is so what what are your keys that you're going to be looking for that the saints have to do to try and get this thing and win it again and stay in the race in the nfc south great question jordy <laughs> i yeah. think uh i think one thing is going to be they're going to have to keep Andy dalton upright uh and, and make some holes in the running game to try and, and, and help out Dalton and these receivers, uh, you know, get a rhythm offensively. I think defensively, if you can get pressure with just four on Lamar Jackson, that's always a plus. That way you're allowed to drop your linebackers and coverage and kind of flush him out if he does decide to run. Um, I'll say this, though. The biggest thing about this game against this Ravens team in particular, going into the fourth, 
The Ravens have blown three fourth quarter uh, double digit leads this year. So I think if you're New Orleans, if you can keep it close in the fourth quarter, you got a shot, especially at home with the home crowd. Uh, I think that would be my biggest takeaway. If you can keep the game close going into the fourth this year, the Ravens have not been great at holding leads. Um, so you can keep the game close. You can keep the crowd involved in the game. Then I think at that point, I'd make up for grabs. Uh, Ravens are a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. The over-under is 48-and-a-half. So um, not not a particularly high-scoring game, but not not a low-scoring game either. Something in the in the mid-20s. Um, first team to get to 30 wins a darn thing, right? Um, I, I don't know what to think about this because I don't know what to expect from the Saints. I really don't, man. I can't, I can't put my finger on them and say I – I know exactly that they're going to do this because every week it's something different. Yeah, I think you've seen you've seen four different states teams play this year, and I think this team obviously against the Raiders last week is the best version we've seen. And assuming you know you get Landry back, you get Lattimore back, you get guys healthy, um, and again, and, and what I consider a wide open NFC, and in particular a pretty bad NFC South division. Uh, you're out of the race. So I think if you can get a big win here Monday night, get momentum, get some guys back healthy, um, then who knows at this point, right? right. <laughs> it would be that kind of thing for the Saints to go on the run without James Winston, a quarterback, without Michael Thomas now, and then make some noise. So <laughs> we're never, here for it. Yeah, hey, I've never pulled for the L.A. Rams more in my life than I am this weekend as they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know what to expect out of either one of those teams either. It's just been a, it's a crazy <laughs> NFC South with with the, the Falcons. Really? Wow. It's just been that kind of year. Jordy, you really have. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to wait till Monday night. But, Al, you're the best, man. I really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your contributions. We really appreciate it. Appreciate that, Jordy. I always appreciate talking Saints. And, uh, hey, who that, folks? Who that talking about beating them Saints? All right. Bikes, Brews, and Omelets, too, returns this weekend. You can enjoy some of the best cycling in South Louisiana and finish the day with food, beers, and live music. Register now at latrail.org. There's a variety of routes to take, ranging from 10 to 100 miles. Saturday's path explores St. Martin Parish, ends up at Tante Marie with hot gumbo. Sunday starts and finishes in Abbeville, just in time for the giant omelet celebration. I want to see what that, how big a giant omelet is. All right, sign up at latrail.org. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back and chit-chat a little bit. Uh, Still to come, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports with his NFL picks here on the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and Astros in southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, we are back and better than ever with that college basketball uh, rapidly approaching. The women from LSU have a, their final little uh, scrimmage tonight before their regular season begins. LSU UL about to get going. Jerry Palm, one of the back bracketology experts out there, does not have LSU uh, in their uh, field of 68. 
but they do have Bob Marlins, Raging Cajuns, as a number 14 seed in this year's, um, in their preseason prognostications with Gonzaga, the number one overall seed, Houston, our number one seed, North Carolina, our number one seed, and Go Big Blue, the Kentucky Wildcats, a number one seed. So um, all this is fun and all this is speculation and all uh, it's just um, but basketball season is is upon us. And so it should be a fun ride as we try to get to uh, March. Right. And that's that's just the best time of the year when it comes down to that. Um, Kyrie Irving, once again, um, cites his responsibility for um, the controversial social media posts about a book and movie that featured anti-Semitic tropes, uh, but he stopped short of formally apologizing. Adam Silver, who said uh, he's going to have a face-to-face meeting with Kyrie or Here's what you do. You see, Adam Silver waited for the Brooklyn Nets to do something. Um, he's going to meet with Kyrie Irving next week. He called Irving's anti-Semitic post a reckless decision. Adam Silver, here's what you do. Since the Nets didn't do anything because they're more interested in winning games, even though they aren't winning with that combination, go suspend the guy. I don't care for how long. Just suspend him. Say, Tell him to go home and get away from basketball, get away from our, from our quote, league, and, and do some soul-searching and figure out what, what you're all about. But again, I can't stand this guy. I don't care how talented you are. He is reckless, and all he does is hurt those around him. It's just the team chemistry, they, they are an absolute mess, an absolute mess. We talked about the Pels. Uh, they trailed uh, by 16 shortly uh, after halftime, uh, trailed by 13 with 521 remaining in the third when Coach Green put in Jose Alvarado and Larry Nance Jr. alongside Dyson Daniels in a stretch that lasted less than four minutes. The Pelicans retook the lead. Um, and then it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and again, you, you got to make plays at the right time, both offensively and defensively. And although Dyson Daniels uh, had eight points, five rebounds, two assists, one block, um, all that gets wiped away because his inability to make just one free throw with 1.6 seconds to go. He had two, so it wasn't like, college where it's a one and one and there's pressure all you gotta do is make one free throw game is over but unfortunately he missed the free throws um so we'll see how he bounces back from that uh and then the pels gave up a three-pointer at the buzzer great shot um and then the lakers go on and win it so the pels are now four and three after seven games two of those losses occurred in overtime the, the, the glass half full outlook, and that's what we always try to do. They've got a winning record despite Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson missing a combined seven games. The glass half empty outlook is that they've been inconsistent since their opening night win in Brooklyn. Their lineups are always in flux because, once again, the stars lack of availability. 
Um, but with all that time off, you know, they played Sunday and then they played again Wednesday. They're out in L.A. Um, they came out sleepwalking, sleepwalking in the first half. Um, and to their credit, they did turn it on. They got better. And Zion Williamson scored 27 points, handed out uh, seven assists, hit two clutch free throws with 33 seconds left in the fourth to put New Orleans ahead, but they couldn't hold on, and the Lakers get the win. Friday night in New Orleans, in the Smoothie King Center, the Golden State Warriors come to town. All right, we'll take a uh, – wait, before we take a timeout, let me do this uh, – let me do this read here because that's what we do around here. Um, looking for great stocking stuffers this holiday season? Look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. The Schwab NFL picks when we return to the Jordy Heltberg Show. Stay with us. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. One of my favorite uh, days of the week and one of my favorite guests as we um, go over another week of NFL action. And that is, of course, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports as we are uh, into week nine of the schedule. Frank, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Hey, what's going on? Um, golly, looks like the Eagles are the class of the, uh, the NFC, but don't, don't look, I mean, the Vikings have won five in a row. Um, who knows about the NFC South and then the AFC, <laughs> uh, the bills are certainly, uh, the class of the leaderboard right now, but, uh, Ravens uh, made a trade look like they might get better. And what's going on with the Tennessee Titans? They've won five in a row. I know, right? And, and if you think about their season, it, it, game one they lost in the last seconds. You know, I mean, it, it's a yeah. good job. Like the Giants are six and two. It's not like they're a pushover. So you look back at the Titans season, and you're like, this might be a pretty good team that that we're just not giving a lot of credit to. Um, I, you know, the, you're right. The, the AFC. I mean, the NFC is just kind of a weird mess. The NFC or the AFC is. There are a lot of good teams. I mean, the Ravens, I think, did get better. And, I mean, people, I mean, it's fine if you don't believe in the stat or think much of it, but the Ravens have led by double digits in every single game this year. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. That that speaks to how good they can be and how good they are. And, like you said, the, the Chiefs are great. The Bills are great. Uh, the Dolphins are 5-0 and when Tua has yeah. started and finished a game. So, I, yeah, I think uh, we all thought the AFC was going to be the stronger conference, and that's kind of come to pass. Maybe in a little bit different way than we thought with the NFC West kind of struggling and Colts not being very good or Patriots not being great. But uh, the AFC definitely is the class. I don't feel sorry for Amazon and Amazon Prime before they got some dog games. And tonight the yeah. Eagles are 14-point favorites at Houston. It's going to be a blowout. I assume, but I, I kind of, 
Look, I, I mean, it, it does hurt the Texans that Brandon Cooks isn't going to play. He's still upset he wasn't traded, which whatever. Right. But uh, if there's a flat spot for the Eagles on the schedule, this has to be it, right? Like, I mean, you're mm-hmm. facing a 1-5-1, and 1-6-1, and one, whatever it is, Texans team on the road Thursday night. You know you're going to win. I could just see them kind of sleepwalking through this thing. I yeah. just it's, – it's a hard game for them to get up for. Let's put it that okay. way. I think the Texans can somehow manage to kind of keep it somewhat close. Cover the spread. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. So, yes. I, I, but, yes, Philly, I, I don't think they're in any danger of losing this one. It's kind of funny, right, that we get – Philly at Houston or Philly versus Houston in World Series right, and the NFL right. tonight. You know, I, yes. as somebody pointed that out to me the other day. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, they should play that game like earlier in the day so all the fans can go watch the World Series, but that's not going right. to happen. Frank Schwab with us. All right, of interest in this neck of the woods, um, everybody's pulling for the Chargers to beat the Falcons in Atlanta, and uh, Chargers are a three-point road favorite. That surprises me as well. It surprises me just because the Chargers' injuries. If the Chargers are healthy, yeah, I get it. But no Mike Williams, maybe no Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, Bosa's still out. Slater's still out. J.C. Jackson's done for the year. They've lost some. I mean, of their top ten players, they probably lost five of them so far. And it's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Herbert's probably been playing hurt this whole time with the ribs. So I do like the Falcons. I, I think the Falcons... Look, they're they're a pretty good football team. I know that it's not easy for them. I know that it's it hasn't been, you know, like dominant every week or anything like that. But they're a ton better than anybody thought they'd be. Pretty good football team, and I think that the Chargers are just the Chargers are really beat up, and we're not taking that into account enough. All right, so you like the Falcons? Ah, oh, shucks. All right, Carolina at Cincinnati. Um, Carolina gets rid of Christian McCaffrey, and the Bengals got man, poor Joe Burrow. They got beat up. By the Browns, the Bengals are at home, and they're a touchdown favorite. What do you think? I mean, that's the thing, too. Everybody is talking about, oh, the the Bengals might be the fourth-best team in football. The Bengals are coming along. The Bengals are improving. And then they just lay an absolute egg on Monday night. They were terrible. <laughs> they were terrible in that game. They really were. And, I, yeah, they, they missed Jamar Chase. I, I didn't think they would that much, but they do. I think Carolina is just – they're playing hard. They're – you know, I think that the coaching change and – P.J. Walker being a quarterback, someone woke him up because they you know, probably should have beat the Falcons last week, albeit in a yeah. kind of a roundabout way. And they beat the Buccaneers before that. So the Falcons seems to play, play a lot better. Or the Panthers seems playing a lot better. You wouldn't think so after they traded Christian McCaffrey and fired a coach, but, but they are. Here they are. So I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. I think the, the short week for the Bengals, no Jamar Chase. I just, you know, I, I, don't know, I don't know what exactly happened, but Carolina's playing a lot better of late. He is Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Uh, the Packers, three-and-a-half-point road favorites at Detroit. The Packers showed a little bit of life offensively, but they still got all kind of issues. The trade deadline comes and goes, and nothing happened. It's like nothing. it's almost like, to me, like managers saying, Aaron Rodgers, you keep talking bad about us. We're going to hang you out to dry and <laughs> let you get beat up, and then we'll move on from there. That's what it feels like. It's, it's really strange how they haven't really – committed you know i mean the trade deadline comes and goes every year they don't make a move they don't really it was strange it was i thought they were kind of the one team that really needed to make a move just to give themselves a little shot in the arm now i'll say this like whatever happened last sunday night doesn't matter to me the bills are just better than everybody they, they right. yeah they they overwhelm the packers but you know what they're going to overwhelm a lot of teams in the nfl so I, I was surprised by this line i'll be honest with you i mean 
the Packers are way better than the Lions are. I mean, even I get the Packers aren't great by any means, but Lions are just terrible. Like they're an absolute mess. I think this is kind of a get-right game for Green Bay. Now it does worry me they're on the road for a third straight week, but I just think that that they they get better in this spot and just beat up on the Lions, who are look. They were up fourteen on the Dolphins two straight two different times in that game. At no mm-hmm. point did I think the Lions were going to win that game. Even when, even when the Dolphins were down 14, I just it was yeah. like, yeah, the Lions are going to screw this up, and lo and behold, they <laughs> sure did. So, I don't know. I, I just don't have a, a whole lot of faith in this Lions team keeping this close. I'm with you. All right, here comes one. Uh, you're the you're the the anti double digit favorite, especially when they go on the road. But the Bills are 13 point favorites now. It's 11 and a half. I'm sorry, 11 and a half over the New York Jets. Tell me what happens here. I think it's going to be exactly like Sunday, where the, clearly the best team is the Bills, but if you give an NFL team double-digit points, if they're not totally awful, they're always going to have a chance to cover the spread. I mean, we, we saw it to happen with the Bills. The Bills got their lead, knew they were going to win, kind of let down in the second half, made some mistakes, and the Packers got the backdoor cover. I kind of think the same thing's going to happen with the Jets. I don't think the Jets are going to beat the Bills by any means, but... If you give a team 11 and a half, 12 points, whatever it is right now, that's a lot to overcome, especially on a road. I mean, I get the Bills are great, but I think just the way the spreads have gone the past few weeks, especially since early in the season when they were kind of blowing teams out, if you bet against the Bills every single week, I think you'd end up fine at the end of the year. I think the Bills are going to end up 15-2 and two or something like that, but their against <laughs> the spread record is not going to be that because all these yeah. spreads seem to be inflated by a few points. Right. All right, very smart. Uh, the best news coming out of Washington is that the Daniel Snyder's hired a bank to kind of look to see if we could sell this thing finally, and the Vikings come into Washington uh, as a three-and-a-half-point uh, uh, road favorite. Uh, no shortage of buyers to, to buy that club. Would there be? No, I imagine. I mean, that that has to be one of the – eight most valuable properties in the NFL. Now, Daniel Snyder has ruined kind of the, a lot of the value of yeah. that, but just talking basically the real estate. Like, you are in the NFC East, or you're in a big market on the East Coast. You do have a fan base that desperately wants to, to root for you. They just can't right now. Yeah. They just have totally given up on the Daniel Snyder regime, and I get that. He's very, very unlikable. He's turned that franchise into an unlikable franchise. But if the right owner gets in there, I think that fan base would be energized right away. You get a stadium no built. Doubt. All of a sudden, you're sitting on one of the, again, six or seven most valuable franchises in the NFL. I, so, yeah, I think people will be lining up. I think the Broncos fetched $4.65 billion. I think the Washington gets at least that. They, it's probably mm-hmm. closer to $5 billion just based on where they are. I, you know, I, you'd rather be on the East Coast than in the mountain time zone like I am. So, yeah, I, I think this is, it, it would be good for Washington. It would be good for the fans. It would be good for the franchise. It would be good for the NFL. Dave Sarge is a bad owner. He's just a bad owner. He's unlikable. Yeah. And nobody yeah. – he's he just brought nothing right now to the table for Washington. Uh, I will say about the game itself – Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, the Vikings. You're <laughs> not a believer in them, them right? Like it's, it's like they're sitting there at 5-6-1, and I think everybody's kind of shaking their heads, saying this isn't a very great team by any means. So I guess they'll take the commanders and the points, even though I don't love the commanders either. This is one of the few games on the board where both teams are just kind of like, I don't really, I don't really feel comfortable betting on either side because I don't think either of these teams are very good. Uh, joining us from yahoo sports uh one of those other surprise teams of the year the seattle seahawks who saw geno smith coming other than um pete carroll pete carroll saw something yeah he did i I kept saying they're gonna get a quarterback they're gonna make a trade for for jimmy garoppolo he goes "Uh uh-uh we got our guy 
They're in Arizona. The Cardinals are two-point home favorites. What do you think? I mean, it's one of those weird lines where you look at this and you say, I know the better team is the Seattle Seahawks. And that's the thing. It's Once you kind of give, a, give up the idea of what we thought the Seattle Seahawks would be, and you just watch them play, they're a good football team. They really are. I mean, I, I don't know how it happened, but you're right. Pete Carroll saw it. Pete Carroll, was he's got the last laugh. I will fully admit to that. Like, I, I, he fooled me. I didn't see this coming in any way, shape, or form. So give all the credit to Pete and the yeah. Seahawks, who, who just have a really, really good team this year. And you look and you say, well, okay, if Seattle's the far better team, and I think they are. I think it's unquestionable. They're a better team. Why is this line what wow. it is? I, and so I'm, I'm, it's wow. almost like has me paralyzed a little bit. Like, what am I not seeing? What, isn't, shouldn't it just be easy enough to say, I'm going to take a much, much better team getting two points? So we'll see how it shakes out. But, yeah, that's how I see it. I, I think Seattle wins. But it's one of those where I'm fully expected to be surprised on Sunday because weird things happen in the NFL all the yeah. time. One of those high-scoring games, I think, is neat. I mean, the defense for Arizona is not very good. Uh, I think offense, offensively, Seattle will score again. So I see a high-scoring game so, there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, here's another one of interest to us. I don't know what's happened to the L.A. Rams. They're at Tampa Oof. Bay. The Bucks are struggling. Bucks are a three-point home favorite in this one. Man, uh, you would think Aaron Donald and company against Tom Brady, you would love that matchup, but that it just hadn't happened this year for the Rams. Yeah, I... Both of these teams, like, you know, there's only two games in the afternoon on Sunday, which is really, really rare. I mean, usually it's three yeah. or four or whatever. And it's not just because it's Rams-Bucks. But you also know that CBS, who has this game, was like, we want this. This is going to be one of the games of the year. We want a huge audience. Yeah. And now it's like just two losing teams. They're they're <laughs> both right. equally kind of disappointing. It's it's really shocking, honestly, to see these teams where they are. Um uh, the Rams are just, to me, I just can't get behind the Rams. I mean, they're a mess. Cooper Cup's hurt now. What's he doing in the game with a minute to go in a 17-point yeah. game last week? That's a bad yeah. mistake by Sean McVay. So I just kind of look at this, and I kind of see I'll take the Bucks, even though we all know their issues right now. It's just weird. It's it's weird that the Rams and Bucks, like pretty much the loser of this game, maybe not the Bucks as much, but it seems like the loser of this game is almost like irrelevant for the rest of the season. Not yeah. the Bucks because the NFC South is so bad, but – you're you're getting into the point where the Rams lose this game. I think a three and six. Like that's that's wow. not a good place to be at the NFL. Wow, uh, crazy. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports game of the week. Uh, uh, the aforementioned Tennessee Titans, winners of five straight, are at Kansas City, and the Chiefs. <laughs> we go again, Frank. Twelve and a half point home favorites. Derrick Henry, the runner, versus Pat Mahomes, the passer. Yeah, we just talked about how the Titans are a pretty good football team. I mean, it's not always going to show up in the analytics, and it didn't last year either. It, they're just one of those teams, and I think it's because they're really well coached. I think Mike Vrabel is one of the top five coaches in the NFL right now. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm not laying 12 and a half at the Chiefs. I'm taking the Titans all day here. I, they always find ways to keep games close. They find ways to win games. They have no business winning. Um and we all look at the, you know, again, the advanced stats after, uh, you know, every week. We say, oh, the Titans aren't that good. Titans aren't that good. And then they just win more games. Like, at some point, we just have to say, they've kind of figured out who they are, what they want to be, how they want to play, and they do it really, really well. They're, they're a good football team. And, yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I think the Tennessee just finds a way to keep this thing close. Everybody, you know, you talk about, everybody looks at history. 
Uh, the Chiefs are coming off a bye. Andy Reid's really good coming off a bye, and that's why I think the spread is as inflated as it is. But when you got a guy that can run like Derrick Henry, boy, that makes Ryan Tannehill all the better, doesn't it? I mean, golly. Yeah, it really does. Uh, I just, yeah, we man, could I, even see last week. I mean, Malik Willis, they basically said, you're not going to throw the ball the whole game. And doesn't matter. Houston Texans still couldn't stop him because Derrick Henry's that good. That's right. You're right. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. I meant to say Malik Willis. Um, all right. Monday night football, the Baltimore Ravens. They pick up Roquan Smith for their defense. They've got Lamar Jackson on offense. They might be without their outstanding tight end. And the Saints at home on a Monday night, it's going to be an electric crowd. And they're coming off pitching a shutout against the Raiders. I know it's completely opposite what Derek Carr does and what Lamar Jackson does. But the, the Saints are a two-and-a-half-point road, a home underdog in this one. What do you think? I mean, the Saints' defense looked like they were the, supposed to be the defense they were supposed to be. Right, and I'm not dismissing the possibility that they just have figured some things out, and it's that time of year where they're, okay, the defense is going to come alive a little bit, the offense looks a little bit better. Kamara, obviously, broke through for the first time this year, really had a great game. But I need to see it one more time. I'll go with the Ravens. I hate to say it. I hate to tell you that. But I know what I'm getting out of the Ravens, whereas the Saints, look, if we see the Saints go in and, they beat the Ravens in this game. Well, I think I think a world of the Ravens. I think the Ravens are a really, really good football team. Then all yeah. of a sudden, we're starting to think maybe the Saints can still win this division. No, it's right there yeah. for the taking. I don't think Atlanta is going to run away with it or anything. Or Bucks definitely won't. So I don't know. This is kind of a, one of those. It almost seems like a crossroads game for the Saints, where they come out, they beat the Ravens. All of a sudden, you're looking at them saying, "Well, okay, now four and five. That that's not that yeah. bad. Who cares what they started at? They're right. still in this division race for sure. Whereas if they lose, you're kind of back into, all right, you beat the Raiders, big deal. You know, yeah. <laughs> you haven't really looked good other that's than true. that. So a very, very interesting game, and, and one that I think is going to kind of define the Saints season. Tell it like it is, Frank Schwab. I would be remiss because I value your opinion, and you're more than the NFL. You study basketball. Yeah, There's two really good college football games this weekend uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, yeah. Georgia hosting Tennessee. What do you see in that game? I, I want to believe in Tennessee. I mean, they're really fun. And if you beat Alabama, you can beat Georgia, I guess. But I don't know. I just default to Georgia's talent. I mean, that's a, that's a heck of a – they've really got that thing rolling there. That is a, that is a heck of a program they got. And yeah. I think they're going to be good for a really long time here. Good for Tennessee, regardless of what happens. They've had a heck of a season. I think their fans should be thrilled at the direction that program's finally going in. But I think Georgia gets them. I think that they're just too good. And then the other one would probably Alabama, LSU, right? Do you want yeah. me to tell yeah. you LSU yeah. maybe has a chance? But, man, I just I just don't go against Bama too often. They're just they're just a machine. If they, even if they lose, it's one of those like, you know, like last second against Tennessee type of games. That's right? true. So I, th- I think Bama, I'll take both favorites. I just, I'm being, I'm being boring and just taking the chalk there. Okay. That's more than fair. More than fair. All right, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. It's week nine of the NFL. We got a busy weekend. Uh, Saturday, the college game. Sunday, tonight, who cares? I'm watching the World Series. I I don't want to see Philly and Houston. I'm sorry. I just don't. But but you will, because that's what you do. And I greatly appreciate your time, man. Stay warm in Denver now. Got you. I'll try. All right, buddy boy. Frank Schwab from Yahoo. Who sports? All right, 49 minutes after the hour, we'll take our final time out of the day. We got some birthday wishes. We'll set the stage for 
our football Friday, and much, much more. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show. We're on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Tigers and the Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Start NFL Week 9 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. A parlay that I made for you is the Eagles' money line, a Devontae Smith anytime touchdown, and then a Damian Pierce anytime touchdown. Build your own or choose from one of the popular same-game parlays pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet on the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code KLWB if you don't already have an account. But if you're already with FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older, present in Louisiana, and permitted parishes only. Three-plus leg, minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after the receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. All right, James Mash. Very good. Uh, of concern, uh, the weather Saturday for the LSU and the Raging Cajuns games, according to the forecasters, um, it's supposed to rain Saturday, but most of the rain is going to occur in the morning through about lunchtime. Um not ready to rule out some showers Saturday evening, but hopefully, fingers crossed, both the Cajuns and the Tigers can play uh, rain-free. Get the rain in early, get it out of the way, and let's have some let's have some good football, right? Let's have some good football. Um, special thanks to our guest today, Kevin Skarbinski, with all the inside story on Alabama. Jerry Miller, all the inside story on Troy. Al Salas, all the inside story on the Saints as they get ready for the Ravens. And Frank Schwab with his picks. He doesn't like the Saints. He doesn't like the Tigers. <sighs> Hopefully Frank is wrong. Hopefully he is wrong. Um, if today is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share it with Drago. Drago from the Rocky series. Dolph Lundgren is 65 years old today. Um, Colin Kaepernick is 35 years old. Has he given up trying to play? I hope he has because nobody he's not going to play football at 35. No way. Um, and another one of uh, my producer James Mesh's crushes, Kendall Jenner, is 27. That would be a good one for you, James. She's only worth a couple of billion dollars, I think. Uh, so that would be a good one for you. Um, anyway, tomorrow, Football Friday, right? We'll get uh, the final thoughts on the Tigers. Um, we'll be joined, of course, by Larry Holder of The Athletic for all the latest on the Saints and the NFL. Um, we'll re recap Game 5 of the World Series. We'll preview the Pels against the Golden State Warriors. Um, George Faust will join us, get his thoughts on the Cajuns and the Trojans on Saturday. 
And then George Becknell and James Mesh and I will do our fearless forecasting as we always do. High school football tonight, some really good games going on. We're coming down the stretch. Girls volleyball, they're in the playoffs now. Got some really, really good teams. And the state championships will be at the Cajun Dome. Uh, If you haven't seen girls high school volleyball, it is fun. It's exciting. Really good, talented players. Um, So that's something to look forward to. Uh, Coming down the stretch of high school football, yes, big important game Saturday in college football. My goodness, great! If LSU can beat Alabama, holy cow! And they got a shot. They got a shot. A lot of things have to fall in the line, but they got a shot. So we'll talk all about that tomorrow. James Mesh, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion you do, radio, internet, television. We appreciate it. And to our partners, <laughs> we couldn't do it without you. We really couldn't. So come on back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.